not even miss this. He's I know. Yeah, this this is the ideal podcast ambiance. Don't <laughs> be so ashamed of us. Um, okay, yeah. so. He was sending me messages earlier complaining that Business Insider didn't like credit him for a story. So. Oh fuck, Eric. Sounds like, sounds like the vacation's going great. <laughs> Man. Like that, Maybe like he needs four martinis, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like that guy like walking up and down the fucking like left bank in Paris, like yelling at tourists <laughs> that he didn't get like full credit for his Andreessen micro fund scoop. <laughs> wow. Remind me to never go on vacation with Eric Newcomer. All right, then. <laughs> I apologize for the horrific noise of me eating a bowl of no. meatballs at midnight, but it was it was a good night, but it needed it need I mean this needed to happen. I went downstairs to get it, and in the lobby of the New York Times Corporate Apartments was this like random lady in workout gear talking to the doorman about how it's really all about diet, like what you eat, and you need this combination of like protein and vegetables. Or, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm picking up a bag of meatballs. Like, I gotta, I gotta get out of this conversation. I gotta get was she it. like hitting? Was she hitting on him, or was she just like trying to educate him? No, she was like a 23 year old. Oh, she just thought she had figured things out. Clad in lycra. Um, okay, well, let me intro the episode. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, like I did last time, so we can get in the <laughs> habit of doing that. The thing we don't do in Eric's here. Um, so, yeah, the episode started. It is me, Tom Dotan, here, uh, here with Katie Benner, uh, eating some meatballs in the background. We're doing a late-night dead cat <laughs> session. Um, things, really, things really got loose with Newcomer on vacation. Huawei uh, happened so. and I couldn't, I could I just had to do that thing. Like it was a big deal, big settlement. Canadians were freed. It was just like a lot. Oh, they got those Canadians out? I didn't read yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, they're like on a plane now. Oh, man. I know. Uh, that was a bizarre couple of days during the Trump administration. That's when, like, those are the two you'd pick out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, everything is, it's all, it's all a tech lens. It's all viewed through that angle. Um, but so this is our second attempt at doing this podcast episode because Katie did have to run to do a, a job thing. Um, a work thing that she gets paid for. You mean for. my job? Yeah. The, my job thing. Um, but we actually launched too quickly into the episode last time and I didn't get to do the thing that I wanted to do, which was, uh, read some of the text messages between Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny Balwani that have come out during the, uh, Theranos trial. Um, because I think it's easy to forget in Silicon Valley that, you know, we think of it as a place for you know, companies to, you know, billionaires to be minted, technology be to be advanced, uh, you know, it's all about your, your ROIs and your KPIs and your uh, up and to the rights. But I think we forget that really at the heart of the matter, Silicon Valley is about love and it's about romanticism and relationships. And so in that mindset, in that note, I wanted to read some of the text messages that were exchanged between Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny Balwani. Um, to understand kind of the level of romance that can happen in Silicon Valley. There's no greater love than self-love, so Tom's going to do both roles. Yeah, I'll, I'll do both parts. I'll be playing both the part of Elizabeth Holmes and her uh, romantic partner uh, and uh, co-CEO, or COO, Sonny Balwani. So here's, here's Elizabeth Holmes. You are the breeze in the desert for me. My water and ocean, meant only to be together, tiger. And then in a different text message, she wrote, madly in love with you and your strength. And then 15 minutes later, Sonny Balwani replied, I am tired today, spending so much time on bullshit and not on software or things that build our product. So, you know, ne 
never forget that this is, you know, there are hearts that can be won in the pursuit of billions. Um, Sonny Balwani was truly one of the more romantic characters uh, that came up during this, and I'm sorry it didn't work out for those two. I, I'm, I, I just, I have to agree with the Verge headline that the making that making the text public is the ultimate crime deterrent. Um, yeah. I, in fairness, Elizabeth Holmes, I, I don't know how my, uh, you know, how my text would look at like the the harsh. I mean, this light of this day. is the this is the tech this is the tech version of the struck page text messages, just with like slight you know lower stakes, but same yeah. sort of like, oh God, really? Oh. Yeah, it's tough. I wonder if that moment for Elizabeth Holmes in the trial was when she realized that things kind of got out of hand. <laughs> you know, it's like it's one thing to you know fleece investors out of you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, but it's like, ah, oh, they're reading the text messages now. I really I fucked mean, up. Um, but anyway, on to the real episode. Um, the thing that uh, I wanted to focus on this week is uh, we're in the era of, depending on who you talk to, leakers or whistleblowers. Mm. Um, I feel like with the Wall Street Journal story that we talked about last week, um, with the ongoing series of leaks coming out from, uh, from, from Facebook, sorry, I just said Facebook, um, that's where the gummy is. Uh, oh, from Apple uh, and, and, and others. Uh, you know, there's this ongoing conversation happening on Twitter and among executives about, like, what do we do about these leakers? Um, you know, what does it mean about our company? And uh, so I thought to start it off, I, was, I would read uh, an, a memo that Tim Cook sent out recently um, to Apple employees. And just as background for people, Apple has been s probably suffering with some of the worst uh, amount of leakage uh, coming from the company in its in its history, uh, with uh, a lot of current employees kind of giving pretty specific and intimate Slack messages uh, about arguments that are happening among the employees. Uh, that has made for you know a bunch of stories from from The Verge and other news sites. And so earlier this week, Tim Cook sent out a memo to his employees uh, discussing this exact issue. Uh, which uh, immediately leaked to The Verge. Um, and so I'm going to read uh, I'm going to read it now, and I thought we could discuss it, because there's a lot in there that I think is pretty telling about the way uh, CEOs view their employees. So here's, here's the letter. Uh, Dear team, it was great to connect with you all at the global employee meeting on Friday. There was much to celebrate, blah, 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 it's boring. Mm. Um, I, I'm writing today because I've heard from so many of you were, were incredibly frustrated. I hope that this was a mistake that The Verge made and not the CEO of the richest company in the world, because it's a pretty bad typo. Um, I'm writing today because I've heard from so many of you were, were incredibly frustrated to see the contents of the meeting leaked to reporters. This comes after a product launch in which most of the details of our announcements were also leaked to the press. I want you to know that I share your frustration. These opportunities to connect as a team are really important, but they only work if we can trust that the content will stay within Apple. I want to reassure you that we are doing everything in our power to identify those who leaked. As you know, we do not tolerate disclosures of confidential information, whether it's product IP or the details of confidential meetings. We know that the leakers constitute a small number of people. We also know the people who leak confidential information do not belong here. And then he goes on to talk about products. So that line, like we know that the leaker, uh, you know, we know that people who leak confidential do not belong here. I mean, what, what, is that, what does that mean to you? <laughs> well, first of all, I love that he's like, I know a lot of you were really disappointed by the leaks, but he doesn't address the fact that a lot of people are just disappointed in Apple, thus they are leaking. Right, right exactly. Um, <laughs> I know many of you are disappointed in my company because and the way why, I've run things. Why, why, why look within? Why turn that yeah. lens on oneself? 
Um, no. You know, I, I, as a reporter, I think those people definitely uh, have a place in the company and an important one. But <laughs> right, sure, yes, their important bucket. one is to, to get stories to us. Absolutely. I mean, you've been an Apple reporter, so you've sort of seen the level of secrecy among the employees that is preached, you know, obviously at its height during the Steve Job days. Um, like, what do you think is going on here? I mean, I think that when I started writing about Apple, this was eons ago, but basically I was told by multiple employees who didn't want to say anything to me um, that part of the reason they didn't talk to reporters was why would they? Because it's such a great place to work and you make so much right. money and like life is good and you tell people you work at Apple and everyone's like, oh my God, that's amazing. It's like, you know, it's like being in LA and being an actor or something. So where's right. the downside? So <laughs> what this says to me is that, I'm um, sorry, where's the upside in speaking? So what this says to me yeah. is that uh, all those things are, are no longer enough. Like it must be, um, it must be, be bad enough inside the company, it must be boring enough inside the company, it must be irritating yeah. enough inside the company that they're like, eh, fuck it, we'll talk to a reporter. Yeah, which is, it, yeah, and which is interesting because the kinds of leaks that they're really referring to are kind of fall into two camps. One is like the product leaks. Which, which has been are, going on forever and a lot of them right. don't even come from Apple. Right, right, yeah. Those are like an incredibly sophisticated like ring of people from like the supply chain of Apple products that have been doing it forever. I mean, we're at a point now where every Apple launch day is not a secret. It's funny. It's like for a company that's like famed for its secrecy, it's like maybe the leakiest place in Silicon Valley. Because like what other company do you know literally every single thing it's going to do on the most important days of the year for it? And now that they don't really make like new products. It, the, yeah. This, <laughs> this, this year it's extra incremental. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but they don't make any new products. So, right. yeah. Yeah, which is probably why they don't care as much about the product leaks anymore. <laughs> like, now that we're like, not innovating, you can leak all right. you want. Like, how dare the public find out that we're adding another megapixel? <laughs> like, that being the core thing. The bezel is smaller. Like, that clearly, you know, like, th that ship has sailed. But, uh, so that, that's, like, one side of things. And, like, the cat's completely out of the bag there. Or the horse is out of the barn, whatever analogy. <laughs> um, but, um, but then the series of leaks that have happened recently at you know, as largely published by The Verge, are employees that are leaking about issues around pay, their, you know, back to office policy, um, you know, member diversity. There was that um, tech executive, uh, Antonio Garcia Marquez, who was hired to be like a high up on their ads business that got pushed out before he even really started because there was a rebellion inside uh, Apple that, you know, was all kind of uh, cataloged on Slack and then given to the reporter and you know he, he was gone before he even started um so that sort of that sort of shit is happening over at apple and i'm very divided about these stories because in one sense you know sure these are real issues um things like pay inequities and diversity and all these things that you know matter in any i think like conscientious workforce but at the same time if you look at like the scale of things that apple is doing uh and you know if you're an employee you should maybe have problems with it seems a little low on the list. Yeah, like the fact that they don't pay like any sort of like real amount of corporate tax. So all the stuff they profess to like really want to protect, like the environment and LGBTQ rights and other things, they could actually like probably more effectively protect by literally paying money into the federal government. Uh, right. But right. you know, but, I mean, but yes, I think that the what's happened to Apple speaks to when that these employee issues are a big deal in Silicon Valley because. 
talent is acquiring talent's really competitive. People can, do have places to go, so if they don't like it, they can they can whinge and they can complain and they can um, bring things to management. But right. also, I think it speaks to how unhappy employees are in general. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I think that this is sort of part of a bigger trend outside of Apple. And so, as long as Apple is unable to recognize that and try to figure out what to do about things like burnout, to do about the fact that people sit around at home isolated all day long, so you know things about the company that bother them can really become you know very large and very hard to ignore. Um, you know the fact that people are lonely and their teams are falling apart. If they can't really deal with that stuff, the the leaks will continue. Um, right. And it's in a, in a way I, I can sort of see it's it's largely related because the things that these employees are talking about are the things they maybe have some control over, right? Like they can probably raise enough hell to get a better attempt at diversity hiring or, or mm-hmm. you know, executives of color or, or pay equity, those sort of things. Can someone who is like a marketing, like a mid-level marketing person at Apple really do anything about the hiring of slave labor of like Uyghurs at some of the supply chain members of the iPod manufacturing? Right, exactly. It's, it's just like, those are real issues. And I don't know if they care about them or not, but, uh, Can they you know, get they their just, company to try to fund the federal government in the way right. that, like we do? <laughs> right, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure, you, you know, be part of the system that could theoretically make a stand against these things. Um, but, you know, at the same time, maybe like that sort of cynicism and like recognition that their company is just like is in, untractable and is going to be involved in these sort of nauseating uh, elements of the global economy and capitalism is just sort of trickles down to them. And they're just they're not happy with their job because they don't believe in the mission. And at that point, you're just kind of generally unhappy and more likely to just take stands against things well, that sort of this are pissing you off. There was this weird thing about moving to San Francisco oh. in 2014. Hello, Cal. <gasps> Cal. Could you wait one second? Tom's toddler uh, just walked into the frame. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Rosa. It is, it is really fucking late. Yeah. It was very funny that he had hiccups and he was not able to go to sleep. Is that what's happening? <laughs> Can I give you a hug and you go back to sleep? <laughs> Hi, <Maybe>. Kelly. <laughs> Can I give you a hug? Is it too funny? It's too funny, definitely. <laughs> hug is going to be attempted. Hug, take one. Dom's left the booth uh, to hug Cal. Hopefully he'll go to sleep. We don't know, though. I mean, toddlers are very unpredictable. Tom's back. Wow, that, liter- that literally has never happened before. Never, like... Your toddler has like, never woken up in an inopportune moment? No, n- never not screaming or, or, or like... <laughs> Like crying at me and demanding to be in our bed. Yeah, your mileage may vary uh, on, on what that what that scene did to you. Um, where were we? Oh, I was talking how Apple employees are disaffected and miserable. I mean, um, when we moved to San Francisco in 2014, people were so all in on the idea that right. their companies had these big missions. I had discovered Wall Street, where people were all in on the idea that they worked to get very rich, or they worked to make mm-hmm. their companies super rich. Right, but they were not living purpose-filled lives. No, by, no. By, by, the, the, by moving blips around on a screen that represented money. When I got I to California, their lack of mission was a virtue to them, right? <laughs> but then I got to California, and I was like, so much of what we're watching here is kind of like blips moving around on a screen. Like I'm building better um, management software. I'm building. Not, right. not that there's anything wrong with these. These companies are fine. Like just like I think that like 
banks are fine. Like, at the end of the day, if you're building a software company that um, handles electronic records really well, that's great. But right. You don't have, but you don't have to believe that, like, you're, um, you know, you're a charity, and you're and you're you're the only force making the world a better place. And you're place. bringing us yeah. into the future. I think one of the few right. companies that was really bringing us into the future was probably Facebook. It was bringing us into a dystopian future, but it yeah. was bringing us there real fast. Yeah, but, it was know, definitely accelerating something. So the the end of freedom of speech. But, yeah, uh, sure. But yeah, so there was this. I think that whole that whole belief has shifted and fallen away and so that's another sort of bigger trend that mm-hmm. all the discontent around these Apple employees um, plays into right like how much are they unhappy with Apple simply because the valley has stopped thinking of itself in a certain way that was maybe not really that realistic to begin with um, but that you know helped um, attract talent and foster innovation and you know right. well, and it, and it it benefited these companies so much, yeah. right? I mean, that was a huge part of attracting people from Wall Street, like from the financial sector, by saying, come to California, you know, you'll get to, you know, see some trees, and also you're changing the world. Like, you're, you're, you're making the same amount of money, if not more, but you're doing it towards, you know, this, this greater good. And you're and leaving a sector that everybody hates because you literally just destroyed the global economy. Right, right. And, like, you'll have a chance to do that in a couple of years in tech, but, you know... You, <laughs> Opportunity abounds. Yeah, yeah. It'll just take a couple more years. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I don't know if it was the pandemic itself or, like, the, just the general drift away from mission. But I think across the Valley, companies are having issues with keeping employees engaged. I mean, that's one of the reasons that there was a lot of uproar over return to the office, right? Oh, like, yeah. These guys didn't actually like coming in that much, you know, and it's pretty hysterical that it happened in tech, which was like the office culture, the one that was supposed to make being there, like going to a spa and a gym and a therapist. And in fact, all the money that was spent on these things was not enough to keep them really all that engaged. Yeah, it's like the pandemic was like we were it's like in the Iceman cometh when the dude goes into the bar and he's like, you know what, it's time to pull away the veil none of you are ever going to do any of this stuff. Like, this is all just a pipe dream. Uh, and then, you know, we've got people, like, jumping off the fire escape and stuff. So it feels yeah. like the pandemic kind of had that effect on on, 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 on most people. Like, what are we really right. doing with our lives? Right. And so, and so one of the manifestations beyond the great resignation uh, is, like, you know, like the great, I don't know, consternation, like the great the great disassociation uh it's just people that have stayed at their jobs and they just don't like it that much anymore and you know you can like try to find the the biggest merit in what they're doing which is maybe these leaks are are you know an effort to change the company and push things in a more i don't know egalitarian direction or whatever Mm -hmm. um but if you're a ceo it's like it becomes us against them right it's 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 which it doesn't have to be like it could be seen as an opportunity by executive to say Okay, what is making these employees so unhappy, and how can we, what else can we do about the problem other than just throwing money at it? Right, that, or threatening that, to fire them. Or threatening to fire them. Or firing them. them. Or firing right. them. Mm-hmm. There are other things that executives could do, but I think most of them go the Tim Cook route. Yeah, which we'll see how much longer it lasts, because in one sense, you probably could purge, you know, a certain number of people, uh, either through investigations or like just ostracizing them. Um, and you know, it's like you'll see these companies like uh, 
Coinbase? Which was the one that basically said, we don't want to talk politics anymore in the workplace? Oh, and man, but like, woo, bless that company. That's hard. Yeah. Everybody yeah. wants to talk politics in the workplace. You're really bucking right. up. Right. Well, well, so yeah, so they're like, we don't want to talk politics anymore in the workplace, and like, if you don't want to, if you don't want to do that, you can leave. We'll buy you out. And then like, forty percent of the staff was like, yeah, that's, I gotta, I, I gotta talk politics. I gotta I do it over Slack. <laughs> so funny, um, like I, that compulsion. I don't really understand, but I, but I, I love the idea of people really sticking with their guns. This is a total aside, but I was doing a Google image search of Meng Wanzhou, and in all these pictures, you know, you see her coming out of her like awesome mansion mm -hmm. in Canada and she's this is the CEO of Huawei oh yeah the CFO of, CFO, CFO of Huawei, of Huawei. daughter yeah. of the founder CFO of Huawei under house arrest accusations of you know charges of bank fraud wire fraud and they were all basically they will all be um, uh, dropped in this different prosecution though she does have a long statement of things that she admits that she did that were not right yada yada I'm just gonna say in all these photos she's wearing these extraordinary outfits that are Per, like she's she's ex, she has she has put together outfits around her ankle monitor bracelet the ankle mm -hmm. monitor bracelet looks amazing in all of these outfits like so yeah. good i don't yeah. understand why nobody wore an ankle monitor bracelet to the met gala because it was like you know what america means to me and it looks fantastic the teal dress the purple dress the yellow blazer with the with the floofy black skirt the ankle monitor bracelet looks very purposeful wow. anyway what were we just talking about i don't know oh people hate working at tech companies oh yeah, yeah, yeah. or um, i think they just hate working yeah 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 sure and so so it's manifested in multiple ways and one of them is leaking to the press uh and <laughs> mm. i mean i can say as a reporter the number of people that reach out to me uh after certain stories seems higher mm -hmm. um now granted i was covering media uh, beforehand where everyone thinks that they are holding state secrets about like you know what the pricing scheme is for peacock or whatever but um so it was a little harder with that i, I think people are people are angsty yeah and again they're disgruntled it's it's very hard to separate the impact of a year and a half of isolation wondering whether or not you're going to become sick feeling angry all of the time because you're communicating with people through social media far too much like what impact that has on what's going on in these tech companies but i think it's also very telling that the tech company executives at least from what we can see of what the company's doing is not mm -hmm. that, that those executives are not actively moving toward addressing like bigger root problems and stuff they're yeah. like i'm glad we can all agree that people who talk to the media should be canned Right. Yeah. It sounds to me you maybe need another week of, you know, unlimited PTO or whatever <laughs> perk they're, they're pushing. So, so, but I want to switch it over now to Facebook because they are the most immediate recipient of like, I think more significant leaks, uh, you know, ones that uh, sort of speak to the core of the company's problems and mission and... Well, keep in mind that that the the also I hate the term leaks. Leaks. I'm sorry. Just, I, was, I, I wasn't going to do it's it. So like it's like too. You're really bumping up against like unfortunate bodily fluid stuff. It's yeah. Just all. I like right. I like sources. I like mm -hmm. sharing information. Sharing important mm -hmm. information to the public. Comparing know. notes. You know, I just like I, I, and leak is sort of derogatory. Anyway, so. Yeah, it's a little too depends. Or <laughs> yeah. Let's stay away from that aisle of Dwayne Reed and, and just keep keep going. 
Right. So, Let's go behind. Let's go to the back. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. the yeah. Um, the Facebook stories that the journal just wrote, the Facebook files, wonderful, mm-hmm. like great investigative work. Just like one of the most impressive, like week long blow after blow. Yeah. Uh, at different angles of the company. And I think that one of the things that made it so powerful is that the it was based on documents, not just. Um, shared with the journal, but it's clear that these documents and put to, have been put together already in almost a narrative fashion in mm-hmm. order to be shared with Congress because somebody at the company, a whistleblower, was so disturbed by um, the fact that Facebook internally knew, as the journal put it, in acute detail, that its platform was so deeply flawed and right. harming people in ways only the company understood, but its outward-facing message was, things were actually pretty great. <laughs> right, right. They would try. So um, this wasn't like the sort of um, sharing of information with a reporter that that we're used to, and I think the right. public's used to reading. This was sort of more along the lines of like a, a, a very well-put-together um, packet of information that was sent, that was shared not just with reporters, but also with lawmakers. Right, and so so that's the next step of this whole thing. I mean, we had the stories from from the Wall Street Journal last week, or now it'll be two weeks ago when this comes out. Um, but the next step is it really appears that this person is going to, uh, or has been in communication with lawmakers, and is very likely to testify in in some sort of public setting. And so they're going to kind of, in the same you know, in the grand fashion of uh, Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning and. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I guess Daniel Ellsberg, someone who is going to be the face of this resistance to power. And I don't know. What do you think is going to happen to this person? You know, I think it depends. Some whistleblowers don't want to come forward and be the face of anything, at least not for a little while. Um, right. And I think that we're in such a weird, we're, we're in such a weird point right now when it ter- comes to news consumption, how quickly people become like really outraged, like mm-hmm. in a deep and... <clears throat> and furious uh, way, and then how quickly the outrage dissipates. So one of the interesting things about this Facebook story is that, yes, there's a lot of outrage, but at the same time, because it's so substantive, you can almost feel people trying to digest it. Sure, it gives you a lot to be like initially outraged about so you can have an internet freak out, but at the same time, people are actually trying to digest this. And it's, I don't, if you're the whistleblower and you're sort of seeing what's going on, like, by coming forward and putting your identity out there, it you can start the outrage cycle up again pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Be the hero and go on Good Morning America or whatever. Or you could just stay quiet and watch people actually try to absorb what happened and not give them a new thing to be distracted by, which would be your identity. Yeah, it, it wouldn't make sense long term um, for... We did, we did it. He's asleep. Cal is asleep. Yes. We, with this podcast... It's so mm-hmm. boring. We have put the baby to sleep. Yeah, that's that's a fucking thing we could sell, though. Like, <laughs> that would be the greatest business that we could possibly get out of this podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it could be a distraction from the central narrative that this whistleblower, you know, is obviously interested in, which is, you know, we need to examine this company in as close a way as possible. But I wonder if part of the issue is going to be, you know, how, because there was so much in those stories. I mean, so many failings, alleged, whatever, uh, failings that the company had. So many documented failings, put it that way. Yeah, that, yeah, I like that one. Um, that, you know, it takes something specific for people to rally around. 
at least at the time, uh, to push for any specific change or area of like further investigation. And I don't know what that's going to be. It's like we've already kind of gone through the cycle of politics and like its, its influence on our national discourse. And we have, you know, with the other sex trafficking um, and, and you know, international violence. That's obviously hugely significant, but I don't know. Americans tend to not care much about, you know, international goings on in a way that would, you know, it's like, are you really going to get that many people in America that pissed off about Myanmar? I think that the series gave people a lot to think about in terms of just their own lives, right? The way that Mm -hmm. teenagers respond to platforms like Instagram, the way that that we ourselves respond to one another, our friends, family, loved ones, if we spend too much time on Facebook. I think what could be powerful is if it's not like a thing to rally around and get super angry about on Twitter for Mm -hmm. a couple days, but just sort of like a deeper recognition that using these products is really not that great for us. It's not right. that it's not that good, and that people will just sort of fall away and they'll lose interest, and they yeah. won't want to create content. They're not going to want to post outrageous things anymore. They'll they'll find themselves much more enjoying, like, you know, like zoning out on 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 a different platform or doing something right. more. Right, the safe ones, the safe ones like TikTok. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that, that's something that though could take a long time. God, I, I mean, we've already been there. K-hole the other day, and I was like, I lost like six hours. I why, why is it on your phone? Yeah, I keep, Do you have it on your I, phone? I keep no, deleting that's the it. mistake. And no, then you got to get it I off. I keep deleting it and then downloading it again. Like, I was never even this addicted to cigarettes. Like, it's so insane. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's, I don't know what to say. That's on you. You, you should know better at this point. <laughs> As a former smoker, you should know. Exactly. I think former. I mean, it comes and goes. Yeah, yeah right. It's just um, like, it's just really, it's really dependent on, on, um, it's just it's, it's, <laughs> the state of the world. There are other factors. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. The, the progression is going to be interesting to watch uh, in terms of people's reaction because it's just, you know, we've already started to see the like, you know, business reaction and those like coalition of advertisers that do boycotts. Uh, they're trying to do their thing. Uh, if it's as effective as like the one they did last time, Facebook could be worth two trillion dollars by the end of it. I mean, it's only I mean, effective like, if we stop using it. The other side of it is like, well, okay, if it's clear that boycotts don't work, then like clearly the other side of it is like, the, like the the regulatory arm, and you know the ability for government to do anything about it, and that's not looking too good. I think these that, days. I think that what has to happen is people just need to leave the service. Yeah. But we've already seen the point where they won't leave out of anger because, uh, you know, conservatives get pissed off about it, but still that's their favorite place to put their memes. And well, then, I mean, you know, like, it's a place where, I mean, I think people like to get pissed off on Facebook regardless of their political leanings. Um, okay, so, so the last thing I, I want to talk about in this episode um, was, you know, and this is, you know, this can be our work, uh, our work-themed episode because this is about this really great series that I don't know if you read, and I haven't fully read, um, in uh, in this site called Rest of World, which covers international business. So you like don't read the stories that you tweet. You don't read the tweets really, and then it's you're so like, I'm gonna to read let's, them. Ta- let's talk about this site that I haven't really read. Okay, that's cool. I, mean, I work for a site that tries to limit stories articles to 500 words. So you know, <laughs> when I click on a story and I see like a big video, like at the top of it, you know, when they have like the video in the background and you can scroll, the text is on top of the video, and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm in for a long one here. I don't know if I have it in me. This um, is Rest but, of World. This is a site that was created by Eric Schmidt's daughter. No. <laughs> was it? That sounds right. Yes. Is that, is that right? That is right. 
well, hmm. so it's so rest of world is anyone who who is worth less than that, I guess. Stop. Um, so there was a series about uh, gig work around the world, mm-hmm. and um, I particularly liked it because obviously we all, those who cover this space, just care about the plight of you know the American gig worker, which is meaningful, but uh, it's much more complicated and I think um, difficult uh, in in I think a lot of other parts of the world, especially poorer parts of the world. Um, but what this article was basically discussing is like, this is the life of a, you know, food delivery, like an app food delivery person in India using Zomato or in, you know, Serbia or, or all these other places. And I guess what I didn't really realize until reading that story is like, this model is just fucking everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like there is a huge percentage of the world's population uh, that uses this. Um, that, that kind of relies on these apps as their form of delivery. Oh, sorry, as their form of income. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, like, I don't know. Uh, like, what, what effect does that end up having on, you know, the, the, an entire workforce is, is my question. You know, like, first of all, how sustainable are any of these apps? Mm-hmm. But, like, to have this many people funneled into this one type of work seems like it's not going to end well. Yeah, and it does make me wonder, you know, I just pulled up that story, this idea that these jobs, while they do pay money and they often pay relative, well, relatively well, that they are um, high cost in terms of your own fuel, your own insurance, you become your own company, you're completely self-reliant, and to have, I, I guess I would just wonder, you know, how much of our lives and the way we view the world um, is shaped by the idea of working with other people, working toward right. common goals, working in a corporation, working in a shared workspace, um, whether it's a white collar job or a blue collar job, um, you know, working together, being together, and feeling like mm-hmm. work is another version of um, positive human interaction versus work being a you against the world on your scooter trying to get somebody their dinner. Or their, right. Or their, right. their midnight meatballs. Yeah. Right. And they're very unconnected to the other people that do this too. Absolutely. They're y- not connected. Y- to I mean that. Right. And th- and that obviously you know for like unionization reasons makes it very difficult. Um, so do but you also, have an impact on the way that people think about um, civic life and uh, mm-hmm. civic duty if you know everything about their work life, which is how they spend the bulk of their time, is reinforcing this idea of you alone mm-hmm. right we, it's, we've seen what happened when the whole world was forced to think of themselves as alone for a year or so and it didn't have talked to tim cook he doesn't like it, it makes them leak yeah it makes no, them leak people, no, reporters. no one no one came back happier <laughs> uh we think and um yeah i, I think you know you're right it, it's 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 removal from community it's removal from other people with shared interests and i think it also because there are certain appealing aspects of it they're willing to put up with a lot of shit um, in order to continue this life, you know, like the, the, their lack of empowerment when it comes to dealing with the companies, um, their obvious, their, their lack of pay and their complete inability to have like any organization to push back on these things. But they're like, man, it's also just really easy for me to, I mean, it's actually, well, I shouldn't say easy, but it's, it's convenient in certain ways to just try to make it work because uh, it's just right there. Like the job is just in front of you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I have to, this has been like such an organized episode. And what's so hilarious about it is that 
Eric usually puts together these extraordinarily weirdly detailed outlines that even include cues for me to scold him. Right. And yeah, no, you're playing the part of Katie Benner. <laughs> and, like, and it's chaos every time. But yeah. And you usually leave in the middle. And I have to get Or near the end. <laughs> yeah. I usually duck out. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, this is like, there's, we're, we're, it's been so organized, and we don't have Eric's, like, 1,200-word script. And <laughs> I'm multiple martinis in and it's great oh yeah no th- this, this gummy is, hit 15 minutes ago i mean I've, I've been floating the last the last parts of the conversation so oh can we uh, what do you think eric's doing right now where is he again he's in paris he uh, he was sending a photo in reference to how cool and like not engaged in the world he is on his con- uh, i think it was a yeah, except for when he's paris. except for when he's pissed the business insider didn't right. cite him he's so detached yeah. <laughs> It's it's funny because like it's been sort of a weird, like the coverage of Facebook has really dominated everything about tech news. You know, it's really hard to like, um, you know, it's really hard to get excited about, for example, this story, Ryder Cup on course with tech overhaul. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's where like, is that from? <laughs> that's the journal, and so I don't want to be disparaging of the reporter because I'm sure it's a very good story. But um, yeah, they work they work three months on that story. Yeah. That's their Pulitzer submission. This is your obsession with the Pulitzers is so weird. Sir, I should, I should, they would have been an easier joke if I just said Loeb Awards. It's also <laughs> a funnier word. Um, I like this quote though. Nobody would ever think there was this much technology in golf, says the PJ of America's tech chief. You know what, tech chief? You're fucking right. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get yourself a job. <laughs> Nobody would ever think that. As proof that there's a lot of technology in golf, I have a job, said tech chief. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, like, these, let me quickly. Let's just do a quick tour of me, the headlines. Um, so we've got. I was going to say, let me quickly pull up Tep Me. Tech me. Now, Rider uh, Cut. Make that the way we close out the okay. episode. Okay, okay. And Amazon faces uh, headquarters controversy, this time in Africa. Okay. Um, ooh, Bitcoin sent lower. Just... No Evergrande for you, Bitcoin. I think, I think Jed is snoring. I think we put him to sleep. He's here in the That's two. <laughs> <laughs> if we could get Rosa down, this will be our most successful episode of like at least some sort of outcome. <laughs> Three down is what we'll call the episode. I think that the Elizabeth Holmes text messages were possibly like the most uplifting part of, yeah. of this. Yeah, it's the it's the funny pages, you know. It's like if everything is 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 the news of everything. You know, I mean, I have to say, I the hell that tech I, hath wrought. I understand why they are so ridiculous, and when you read them, they're particularly amusing. But at the same time, man. I just like I I I just I I feel a lot a lot of empathy for those two human beings. That is possibly the worst thing that could happen. So I yeah. just I I like yeah uh, I I wish I could be I wish I could just be like this is hilarious. But actually I'm like oh god oh god yeah I'm sorry well, Tom. I- no, I, it's fine. We'll probably end up in the same place. I was hoping I'd be like a was... meaner drunk or something, but I'm still like, no. No, it's just sad. It's just sad. Well, I think that's a good place to end the episode, I think, because <laughs> we, can, we can reiterate the points that we had at the top uh, when referring to Elizabeth Holmes' text messages, which is that I think the show has a real potential as a, not so much dating advice, but you as a tech executive, send us your messages. 
Yes. And we can help you. We can help you. Well, yes, it could be part advice and just part audio secret. So is there something mm-hmm. that you used to want to unwisely post on an app where your identity mm-hmm. was inevitably going to be revealed? If so, just send it to us through some encrypted messaging platform or fire up your Proton Mail account, and we'll just read all those thoughts out loud. Think yeah, about we'll read it on the show. Your boss, It'll be listened your to mistress. By, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's for our audience of Eric's subscribers and an increasing, <laughs> an increasing number of PR people. But all Eric, right. we uh, miss well, you, and um, next time we're going to do the show totally sober. Yeah, we'll change it up. Um, okay. All right, uh, this is Tom Doton, Katie Better. We're signing off here, and uh, see you back here next week. Goodbye. Silicon Valley. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.